0: No. no. Hey everybody, Norm over here from the Norm's Rag Guitars podcast, and I want to wish you guys a happy holidays. Happy Hanukkah, a merry Christmas, happy New Year, happy Kwanzaa, happy Festivus. Uh, Happy everything, you know, and we're really grateful for you guys listening to the podcast. It's the first year of the podcast, and what we're trying to do is we're trying to share with you uh, some of the great artists that come into the store, and we've got a lot of new surprises for next year, a lot of great artists that are coming up. And as a special gift, we're going to do a podcast. This will not be video. This will just be a straight podcast with my buddy Elliot Easton from The Cars, one of the all-time great guitarists. He's going to talk about all his history with The Cars. And a lot of his other side projects Where he does uh, music to movies And all kinds of other stuff So it's going to be very interesting And please tell your friends Tell your cousins Tell your brothers, sisters Even tell your enemies if you want I don't care, you know But tell everybody Listen to the Norm's Rare Guitars podcast If you love music, you love guitars I think you're going to enjoy it And uh, thank you again And happy holidays Hey everybody, it's Norm from Norm's Red Guitars Podcast. I want to welcome you guys. We uh, we love you all for listening to our podcast, and this one is an exclusive podcast here. We've got my buddy Nick Dias, who works with me at the store, is my old partner for many years, and the great. Old friend of mine, Elliot Easton from The Cars, and uh, I'm so honored that Elliot, that you're here with us today. I mean, it's it's always great to see you. And uh, he's an afflicted left-handed guitar <laughs> player, you know. So right. I'm left-handed, but I learned to play right-handed. That's probably why I'm not that good. Maybe if I was left-handed, well, I l- could learn to I play.
1: Do. Is a subjective thing, well, there, Norm. But do you know <laughs> that?
2: You know that the, the the origin of left-handed the the, the word is is sinestral. That they thought you sinister. They thought if you were
0: left-handed, you were in league with the devil. Yeah, did I say I wrote with my left hand? They might be right. I take that back. So I just want to say um, I brought Nick Saved along him. because uh, Nick is an old friend of Elliot's as well. And Nick, you know, he has that fake British accent, and all of us, all of us American guys, we used to use that accent uh. to get girls back in the day. Didn't we? Did you do that? No, I did not. You, I, I you had too thick of a New York. I had nothing accent to use to
2: get girls back in the day. Uh, there
0: you go. Well, you played guitar. I played so. guitar. <laughs> I got one girl. I married her for fifty years. I said, figured yeah. anybody that is crazy enough to be with me, I better keeper. So 50 years, I've I've been with Marlene and uh, God bless her for putting up with me. But, uh, and you know, and I always say, you know, she keeps pots and pans around, not that she cooks, but just to whack me over the head here and there, you know, so, (laughs) but I got to say, Elliot, you know, I mean, I know you're a huge Beatle fan and um, I know what it meant to me back in the day when the Beatles first came out. I mean, it really, everything was turned on its side what do you think how how did that affect well you? i i just
2: cannot overstate it you know um i was one of those millions of people watching the beatles february 9th 1964 and i was so i was already playing guitars already playing Wipeout and pipeline right. the, the instrumental surf stuff because that's what was happening on guitar just before the beatles unless you wanted to play girl groups right and uh it, it shook me up in such a way that I couldn't even sleep that night. Like, my whole body was vibrating. I was, like, galvanized. And I saw my future and just looked—everything about it, they just so they looked so great. And everything about them was different. Like— we never saw a violin-shaped bass, or right. so
1: you know, there really wasn't a guitar band that you could latch onto before the Ed Sullivan well, Show. Well, the
2: thing of it is, is that the first big wave of rock and rollers had ended, right?
1: Right. Just as I was the, sort of, like the fifties, yeah, Elvises and Bill and Haley, it, yeah. it was the Ventures, stuff like
2: that. So, so the guitar was in the in the current pop, just pre-Beatles, wasn't really dominant. Right. It, it, only Dwayne Eddy and like the Ventures and surf music had guitar out front. The rest was like right. orchestrated, Ronette, Spectre, or pop songs, Brill building stuff. Right. Prior to the Which
1: for a little, uh, for a
2: young mod like you, it was is great. probably a bit, it was good, but a I bit square. The, maybe. But it wasn't like Chuck Berry, like guitar being in the front. So right. the, the, as a as a young guitarist, uh, I latched on to like the twang because right. that was what featured guitar. Yeah. So when I saw the Beatles, I mean, In Long Island, where I grew up, everybody wanted either a Jazzmaster or a right or a a Mustang, if you couldn't afford the other two. Uh, And these guitars looked so foreign. Even a Rickenbacker guitar uh, was unusual looking, and hardly anybody we knew played Gretches and and the violin bass. And they just looked like they were having so much fun. Yeah. It was really... And they were so good. Of course, Gretches were rare. but They looked so great. Yeah, yeah.
0: That's for me, man. Wow. Gretches were... You know, but don't forget, it wasn't just, I mean, it was everything. It was everything. I mean, it was the, the music. Way I, the way I put it is like the earth tilted slightly on its axis huh, that Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it went from three-chord or four-chord, I used to call them ice cream changes. For it's a that lot music of the in The Wizard of Oz when it goes from black and white to... Technicolor. Absolutely.
2: Some people say November 22nd, when JFK got shot, is when the 60s began, but I say February 9th, 1964, is when the 60s began. I agree. Because the decades don't begin on January 1st. Yeah. The 50s didn't start till 55. Well, but what, that was the Ed was Sullivan show
0: we're talking about. Right. Yeah, 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 of course. You know, you yeah. know
2: well, the, in the 50s it, it was still the 40s till rock and roll they finished 50s it right then <laughs> yeah. what, yeah. what was
0: cool was though all the of 16, a sudden 19, these 15, tunes yeah. started to get more chord changes and voicings. Yeah. The lyrics weren't anymore just I love you, yes I do. Yeah. The clothes yeah. That's and because hair that's and because the Beatles
2: uh, and particularly Paul McCartney had a much deeper foundation in music he grew up with with uh light classical at, on the bbc and hearing like melodic beautiful stuff and and the pop singers of the day whether it's peggy lee or rosemary Clooney, yeah
1: or, or, or even vera lynn, vera lynn like or even with a, the british a, ones yeah, you know, amazing stuff yeah. or
2: i remember you or all those songs yeah. but the chords were more sophisticated they were learning cole porter type songs as kids you right. know he wrote when i'm 64 when he was a teenager in his front room in allerton yeah. so um They, unlike rock and roll is coming up now that all they really listen to is rock and roll, I think that the thing that really set the Beatles, especially as far as the songwriting way out front, was that the fact that they, particularly Paul, had a much more sophisticated harmonic language.
1: Right, and they drew a stru- from a they drew structure. from a really deep well because a deeper of, yeah, yeah. of like
2: like the Great American Songbook yeah and all those you know and you can hear that
1: with the str- I mean eventually the string arrangements and well, stuff. well I've just they been were... listening
2: to the McCartney classical stuff right that he did and they d- there's like versions of Junk and Maybe I'm amazed and things and it's incredible yeah and his music perfectly works in classical genre a good song is a good so song much, is a good song right yeah, and his yeah.
0: counterpoint, Point it's all there yeah and, and what was cool too is that the bass lines that he played, you know, they weren't all root. They were, you know, there was a lot of other stuff happening. There was space between the lines. I mean, it was just some really cool stuff that was so different from whatever else was happening.
2: You know, what's interesting is in the last year, I've kind of, I've lived here for 25 years and I was like, why didn't I ever, why didn't I ever get invited to go jamming? And I was never part of like the local like crowd and scene. and in the last couple of years I've been doing, a lot more of that kind of stuff mm. like the wild honey orchestra uh-huh. uh, and you know about that. And yeah. like each year they take a different artist. Like one year we did Buffalo Springfield last year it was the kinks. We did the yeah. whole village green preservation album. And this year it was, well, th- there's a different way. This year it was the kinks. Oh, it was but, the, but kinks. At the Grammy museum. Last year we play the entire Beatles white album in celebration of that album's 50th anniversary. And this year we did revolver. Yeah. And, i had to learn the whole revolver album and that meant i had to get i got an electroharmonics ravish sitar pedal i did sitar i used a looper for uh tomorrow never knows i used backwards on line six to get backwards looping wow i, I did all and Maca- the, what triggered me wanting to talk about was you talking about paul mccartney and my observation it was interesting to me that it was much trickier trying to learn Paul's guitar parts than George's. Really, because George plays like a guitarist. He yeah. plays in the boxes, obvious in the pentatonic, and Paul is just playing musical ideas. Yeah. So like I had to learn the solo for Taxman, and that no thing boy. was a, a bitch. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was like <laughs> cracking a code. Go, yeah. There's like hammers and pulls, and it, it was like a, like a, I, over and over again, and it, and same thing like on the White Album, like his solos like Help to Skelter and Back in the USSR are way weirder and more unusual yeah. to play than any like a like George Harrison. Well solo.
1: well that's the thing with left handed musicians that you you find a lot because it's purely from the creative side of the brain, well, right? I, I, you I, would know better than Well, I don't know any other most. way. I don't know what it's yeah. like to
2: be right handed person, yeah. but
1: but it is if there's ever a head scratching moment there's all those <laughs> like, it's wow, is this guy left handed? You know? <laughs> You, McCartney, Kurt Cobain, you know. it's uh, Hendricks.
0: Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, that guy. that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My first rock kind. Oh, Bramhall from later, who's a really good player as well. Exactly. You know, one thing, you brought up the kinks. and but he plays and, upside down like Albert King by Otis Rush. He has the Right. In- but yeah. what I was going to say about the kinks is, in my mind, I think they were the inventors of heavy metal. And oh you really are, got like, me you know you really got me and all day and all night those were like there was so much space in those tunes oh, you know yeah. it was like and can't esply- I can't explain I yeah. can't explain and and the funny thing is, is is
2: that whole thing with Jimmy Page taking credit all those years yeah. for playing the lead which is obviously Dave it's yeah. just it's just a very amateurist typical Vous'd. British Invasion Chuck Berry-ish solo but it was very dogs.
0: unique with those spaces but, in between those chords but, Yes. If Page didn't play the lead and played the rhythm,
2: that's what I would be bragging about. Because Me the lead too. is nothing. The rhythm right. created heavy metal. But <laughs> but I think all, that's the I money think, yeah, Exactly. Right. I yeah. think it, that rhythm
0: part. is the basis of every tune. But here's the thing. And if you can uh, play tricks, you can play tricks yeah. over almost anything. Yeah, but, but here's the thing.
1: Dave De- De- will tell you, I've known him years and years and years. And he'll tell you, it, it, it was the sound that suggested the riff, really. It was like, it, oh, it was people like with coals well, I, what's the best? way I can use this yeah. kind of sound. He didn't go in thinking, I'm going to invent a genre right He's now. Just wanted He's just going to be
2: gonna... as, as nasty and aggressive as possible. Yeah, 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 exactly. He had a little and it, Pico. And it worked like beautifully. Had, a little green old Pico yeah. amp, a uh, tiny amp, and he poked
0: holes in the speaker <laughs> yeah. <column. laughs>
2: yeah, And then I think they fed it through like a, an AC-30 or something. They like right. plugged it into a bigger amp. I'm not sure, but... And those spaces
0: in the drum parts. I mean, that was like funk drums with music. That's Bobby Graham on drums. Yeah. I mean, it was really cool drum parts. I mean, they're really locked in and there's a lot of space in there. I think the most, I I say this a lot, the most unused musical term or use of any musical item is a rest. I think having space is... So cool. Well, you know, whenever guitar
2: players want to sound really sophisticated and smart, they say, it isn't about the notes you play, it's about the The notes notes you you don't play. Yeah, and it's like... (sighs) (laughs) Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Stop the presses.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, here's the thing. Uh, Let me just interject this as well about style, since we're talking about the Beatles. Uh, I vividly remember the day in 1978 when your debut album came out, and it was the first time in years that we'd heard modern songwriting and the way you guys used chords and everything put into a beautiful modern setting that was at once very, very musical and rich and also self hip. Oh, you couldn't Thank stand you. it. <laughs> it's so nice. Oh I, yeah. That. I'll never forget hearing that record for the first time it, from the off. And, and I still, you know, every track is just a killer.
2: And we were so influenced by British music too. Yeah, and you know, well, who were they I, influenced I, by? I, who? The, the British, the, the Americans, yeah, they of course. I mean, it's funny
0: that. how everything kind of yeah. goes around like, in a big yeah. circle. They gave
2: our music back to us, but in a in, a, in a, <laughs> a form that white teenagers loved, like cute guys in little skinny suits and
0: right.
1: You're you're hair. welcome.
2: <laughs> and and fourteen year old girls went out of their minds. Yeah, with the same no, music that they'd ever even heard of that was on R radio. Right.
1: Yeah, but nobody had heard anything like like the opening bars of Good Times Roll. It was huh. like. What is this? This is fantastic. It was kind of a Beatles moment for a lot of Mm. English guys my age. You know, it was... uh,
2: Well, here's one for you. I mean, I always cop to it. People ask me, on Best Friends Girl, I kind of adapted the lick from the Beatles, I will. Mm, It's very
1: similar. Which is a Lonnie Donegan riff anyway,
2: I think. Yeah, Chet Atkins
1: riff or whatever. Yeah, yeah. rockabilly
2: lick, but... Uh, you know, I, I I've always you know I have a big influence. Well, on the influence it in is there, way. but it, but I Instruct think structure too, like how to put together a, a hit record. Yeah. What a hook is. Yeah. And how it repeats at the at after every chorus and
1: uh, and how not to beat people over the head with it. Because don't bore you us guys, go to the chorus. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you yeah. know, and
2: all that stuff about conciseness and 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 all that kind of. I'll tell you what. You know, I learned so much about this stuff from British. Uh, bands. And some often I get called like underrated like he's one of the most underrated go- oh. I don't know how you sell 50 million records and you're in the hall of fame and you're underrated but to you want to talk about underrated I I will talk about Tony Hicks. Right. Now there's the a guy, probably the finest guitar player of the British Invasion. Mm-hmm. The coolest hooks, real finger twisters. You know, uh, like look through any window intro and things like that. So clever, so brilliant, and nobody talks about him. Yeah. And to me, he was the man.
0: I mean, well,
2: fantastic. there's a lot
0: of people that are kind of overlooked. I mean, you know, even people like the, you know, this is a little Or Eric different. Stewart. You
2: know. But
0: but even like the Wrecking Crew, all those guys, the (laughs) Funk Brothers, they never got credit for what they really did Because the records didn't have credits. They didn't credit them,
2: and nobody knew who was playing on those records. It was only later when the album became the thing, because before that it was all singles. And albums were kind of just a collection of your hits and, and some covers, and you threw it out there. And not really until the Beatles did you get an album... Of all the good songs, and and not until a hard day's night did you get an album of all Lennon and McCartney songs.
1: Yeah, which so, was almost felt like a concept.
2: Yeah, really right because it's like where's the Smoky Robinson? Yeah, the, you know. But uh, it's the growth is unbelievable. I mean, you talk about the Beatles. You realize there's two and a half years between I Wanna Hold Your Hand and Starting Pepper. Wow, well, well, that's
1: two, a, that's not much. huh? Two and
2: a half years, and in between that time, they managed to make two major motion pictures. Five other albums and endless world tours, television shows, and
0: radio interviews. Yeah. And and now a band takes 10 years between albums. But you know what I really loved about (laughs) the early Beatles? I mean, it was Sgt. Pepper I loved. It was a fantastic musical album but up until sergeant pepper you could visualize the guys going to the microphone (laughs) together and it being a band and that it was actually something that could be performed live once you went to sergeant pepper you needed the philharmonic with you to well i think that was the point
2: of them calling themselves the sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club band they didn't have to be the beatles they could step out of that mop top image and do whatever they want because they knew they didn't have to Worry about performing it live on stage anymore. They were now looking at it. I think even George said, "Is like, it's like Beethoven. You don't expect Beethoven to play it every time. It's done. Listen to it. Hand it to an orchestra and let them do it." Here's the music. And it became kind of like that, where the record was the thing. Where it used to be, the record was an excuse to go out to have something to promote on tour. Right. You know, this was a. It became rock and roll became rock, and it became an art form and all the way down the line. I mean, there was no serious critis- critics of rock. We used to read teen magazines like 16 magazine and teen Beat to read about the bands because right. it, it wasn't no a Rolling Stone or cream or enemy for us or anything to, you know, mojo. But Sergeant Peppers
1: stuff. and pet sounds to an extent was the first time musicians had used the studio as, as a band member. Really? Wasn't it? I suppose. I, I, or, I suppose. Studio I suppose. Or... I've,
2: I've got mixed feelings about pet sounds. Um, a, it didn't mean a thing in America. Right. And and the second thing is that the album before it, The Beach Boys Today, to me, is the better album. It has all the devices in really? place that he used on Pet Sounds, only it's much more enjoyable and accessible to me. Ah. It's one of those things like, you know, it's like a critic thing, like Smile album, like they talk about it, like it's, in my opinion, it, it, he should have left it alone. Yeah. And let the legend live because he finally made it and it wasn't, you hear it and it's like, this was never going to knock out Sgt. Pepper. Yeah, right. You know yeah, yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you should have just left the the, the myth. You know? <laughs> yeah, that was
1: that was lame on my part to make that comparison. <laughs> well, actually, lame. but, but everybody, they, does. everybody does. Everybody does it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And,
2: and of course, it, you know, it's revisionist history now. Pet Sounds is like the greatest album ever made and breakthrough right. and all. Yeah. But to me, is it that far ahead of what Burt Bacharach
0: was doing? Right. Well, that's or John I Barry. Loved, that's why I loved Rubber Soul because I thought those tunes could be done live, yeah. but yet they were so much more sophisticated than anything prior to that. The first time I heard it, I kind of was taken aback and I was going, do I like this? And then I mm-hmm. listened about the second or third time and went, this is unbelievably wow. magnificent. You gotta
2: yeah. to remember too, that we grew up on the capital US versions. So for instance, Rubber Soul starts off with I've Just Seen A Face, and kind of follows through like that as sort of a soft folk-rocky album. British Rubber Soul- The of m- one? Parlophone. Parlophone, yeah. Just Drive My Car and uh, Dr. Robert. Uh, 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 maybe that's... Wrong. But anyway, it's got a lot more rockers. It doesn't feel like a folk-rocky soft album like American Rubber Soul. It has a completely different feel to it.
0: Yeah and
2: there's that debate you know but i go with the ones who grew up that's interesting yeah
0: changes in rubber soul and the voicings it's when they really became much more sophisticated and people were going beatles aren't just some you know fabricated you know some pop uh, group pop three chord group mccartney even talks about
2: the moment like like in even from me to you where they go i got arms that long they go to the five minor you know, it's like a 2-5 to the 4 chord. It's like a temporary key of the moment. And yeah. It's like, whoa, you know. Those things, they were really into that stuff, you know. They
0: would do a lot of stuff where they would go from a minor chord and resolve it to a major chord, oh, yeah. you know, the same chord. Yeah, which I like was things sort of. things we said on, today, is, yeah, I'll be which back.
1: Well, which Elliot was saying about before. The their, their songwriting well was so tune. deep. So deep. Because that's... Really was orchestral music from the '40s and '50s yeah. that they obviously have grown up with, and so it was in. a
2: resolution that they'd heard growing exactly. up. But, it, yeah, but yeah. to a kid who just decides he want to play skiffle and learn two chords, they wouldn't know that. Exactly, they went deeper. Paul's dad played in a, a, a dance band. You know, there was music. You know, they were exposed to it.
1: So, listen, tell me something. When when the cars got together, what was your collaborative process like?
2: Um. It, well, we would be presented with Rick's demos, which were in a very skeletal form. Yeah. Basically, his trademark eighth-notey kind of style: click, 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 and yeah. and singing the song. And it was the band's job, you know, Greg and I, as the instrumentalists, as the keyboard player and I, to kind of hang meat on those flesh things board. out. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and and intros, outros, hooks, solos, ca- counterpoint lines, and all that stuff. We, I like to say, we took a great we took great songs and made hit records out of them because there's a big difference between a great song and a great record. Of course, People yeah. Have to and, understand and that.
1: You guys are masters of introductions and, and outros. And
2: Well, we got know. lucky with Roy Thomas and, Baker producing us too. He, right. he was great. He had just done Bohemian Rhapsody and then we got him. Oh, you did it in London, right? At Air, the first at George Martin's wow. studio. And yeah. he would drop in. And really? really? And we were like, you know, we'd never <laughs> been anywhere before. I was 23. And he was. And George out. Martin's coming into his He to was taking sit- naps here. on the sofa in front of the mixing desk. And other people that worked at AIR told us he's just giving you his ultimate compliment, which was that's not bad, actually. Wow. And we were like, oh, man. And they were like, no, no, that's that. When he says that, yeah. it's amazing. It's, he, he said that
1: about anything. *Sergeant Pepper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. bad, actually. Well,
2: not that bad. That
0: doesn't suck. Yeah. You know, and <laughs> then there's, uh, you know, we're going to go to some of the other stuff that you've done since the Cars. One thing is with Andy, who did the Beatle book and the, the Rolling, Rolling Stones equipment. and the Bigsby book. Right. So hearts, he's a great right? author yeah. and he's a great musician, too. And, and a great friend of mine. beautiful uh, guy so and those books are pretty spectacular
2: well yeah i mean the beatles gear book has kind of become the bible for i mean if you look to mark on for everything else the recording sessions and the history uh andy has any every piece of gear they ever used from the day they started with the Quarrymen to the day they broke up and last played on the roof of apple yeah
1: wow amazing
2: it's a cool book well, and now a word from our sponsors. <laughs> do you have neuritis, neuralgia, <laughs> big feet, flaming head, or soft coffee? <laughs> Try Zuntan. Available in economy sized packages. Try uh, them today.
0: May I cause have a drowsiness. Brain. Is there anything <laughs> they can do for that? Z o
2: o t a n. That zutan zutan All right, there we go.
1: May cause drowsiness. Bingo. <laughs> can I? Can I just have uh, rattle on about the cars a little bit more because yeah, we're really about the <laughs> I I'm I'm kind of fanboying out here a little bit because those those I was 17 when uh, when the Cars record came out and it that was a I'm a sort of a Beatles moment for me because wow. it was it was a uh, You just gave me goosebumps. Just the just the coolest music I'd heard for a long time by these these guys that looked like they just crawled off a spaceship <laughs> but were obviously fantastic musicians yeah. and uh Knew how to write songs and things like that That really changed the game for a lot of musicians my age as far as writing introductions, writing lead breaks, Mm. specifically things like "Best Friends Girl" and Mm -hmm. what have you, which just blew everybody, blew everybody's mind, and then you know, like changing the drum beat slightly in I'm the middle of the songs
2: so, yeah
1: so you so you just hear these little tricks and hooks and and david wow, says he you planned that. that
2: i remember it as being an accident that the beat got turned around we like, said whoa that's good let's do that every time keep that in <laughs> yeah <laughs> he says no i don't you know, yeah 40 years ago
1: wow <laughs> so there was that i uh, which every track was a killer and then the next one was uh was it candy oh it was that?
2: candy L, second one
1: yeah. and that was uh was that done in london
2: or america that was done right here at Cherokee in L.A.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And that was also chock full of fantastic songs. Yeah, the ne- right, the yes. only
2: other one we did in England uh, was with Mutt Lang. That was at Heartbeat, uh, Heartbeat City. That was at uh, Battery. was the old Morgan Studios. Battery Studios, In, as in as well. Wilsdon. Yeah, 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 North old, London. Old uh, Morgan Studios, we're 10 yeah. years after. And like Mike Vernon did a lot of the Blue Horizon and Blue stuff. And, yeah, you know? I
1: remember that place. Yeah. My dad lived in Wilsdon, yeah.
2: yeah. So did Ginger Baker.
1: I, I, he did, yeah. And Kofi Baker, I used to play with his son. Yeah, I know.
2: Wait, too. He's so cruel to his son, man. I saw that. Uh, he's a Jesus Christ,
1: strange and interesting. Parenthetically,
2: yeah.
1: Okay, cars. Anyway, all the musicians I knew, I knew that were that were first starting to express a, you know, try and make a career out of being a musician in England. Yeah, it was a, it was a lesson
2: in how to write wow. pop songs because you know our first experience of going to England wouldn't have made us think that. Uh, right, they would. We came—I don't know if you remember this, but we put out a picture disc of— uh,
1: With the steering wheel and the girl?
2: No, it was like an antique car. It was just like oh, a yeah, picture yeah. Yeah, yeah. thing. And we got accused We got accused of only supplying it to the stores that report.
1: Oh, records in every
2: Boots pharmacy. It, yeah. it was nonsense. And then we got this reputation of being somewhat like— Calculated, or like, 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 we fiddled our way into the charts, and we never, you know. And the British are very suspicious of that, and you know, kind of like, you know, how they build I you up didn't. and then only to knock you down.
1: Well, that was new. That's news to me. I just remember that period. There was you guys, the Pretenders, and Tom Petty, mm. and all of a sudden it was like we had this great gift from America. All of a sudden there's this fantastic new fantastic pop music i mean just the well, i'll tell you what top man. quality we
2: one night we went to dingwalls to see the band oh yeah and, and rick accidentally left his shoulder bag with his spiral notebook in it and it was stolen yeah and he had like tons of his lyrics in it and it was gone and so melody maker writes uh, Rick casick the car's bag was stolen from his car outside a club last night so if if you hear it, a new album with a bunch of crappy songs on it, you'll know who stole it. <laughs> really? And then, and then Paul Weller was doing uh record reviews at that time for them or enemy and he, he said about our record, "Well, you could melt it and make an ashtray out of it." Oh my god! So that's god. why I didn't. I don't always get the love from Britain.
1: Oh you, no, they, it was there. It was. I know that there when they played everywhere.
2: Drive over the film of the starvation in Ethiopia, that it were, it, people no, remember it was that.
1: Not a dry eye in yeah. the in the, co- in the whole country. But, no, uh, the cars were were really well loved. Oh, back that's, then, yeah, great, yeah, you can't. Hear that. The English press are just—they're a bunch of nincompoops. Oh. They always have been. They still are. Well, yeah,
2: uh, yeah. I, I well, it was. I kind of got to be like, the oh, first thing Ugh. English
1: children learn how to do is criticize. Uh, That's
2: <laughs> it's it's a thing, and then drink. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. Then you and do like, drink while like criticizing,
0: a, like a fake press. Uh,
1: yeah, 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 like fake no. news.
0: Oh. <laughs>
2: oh,
1: never mind.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, there's something I want to talk about that uh, you know, <laughs> Elliot and I go way back, and about 20 or so years ago. Uh, a buddy of mine said, "Hey, you need to check out this movie, Corn Dog Man," <laughs> and uh, he they said it's way out in left field, but it's a really cool movie, and I think you'll dig it because I kind of, you know, like some of the odd stuff, and um, so I I got the movie and I put it on, and uh, I'm listening to the soundtrack to the movie and I'm hearing like four or five really cool, deep R&B tunes and I'm going, wow, well, who the fuck did the soundtrack to this movie, chose those tunes? And I sat there and I waited and at the end of the movie, I don't usually sit and look for I'm credits, but I said, <laughs> um, I, I want to see who did this because it was so deep. I'm Other than guitar, it's probably the one thing that I'm kind of really well-versed in is American R&B yeah. and a lot of obscure R&B because I really, you know, people think of The Temptations and oh, think of yeah. My Girl and there's so many great tunes oh, that yeah. The Temptations did besides My Girl. Not to mention
2: there's, Muscle
0: Shoals and Dan Penn. Yeah. Absolutely, and then there's other stuff like one of my favorite tunes of all times is this tune. That's how heartaches are made by Baby Washington. Mm. There's um, I, it, it's a tune that should have been a gigantic hit. It's it's a, just a fantastic. It, that gets back to tune. the Beatles, like who knew who Arthur Alexander was, right? You know, absolutely, and the B sides that they did. Right. You know, well, actually, with the Beatles, I mean. By accident. You know, in the old days, you would get a single, and you wouldn't even bother to listen to the B-side, because it would be so lame. It was just like something, we got 10 minutes in the studio, yeah, let's throw something yeah. down, whatever yeah. it is, it was a giveaway. And when you got, you know, I saw her standing there on yeah. the other side of uh, I Want to Hold Your Hand, mm-hmm. you went, whoa. I mean, they got more good tunes in them than yeah. just the A-tune Imagine that you were you thinking that to. We, they had so
2: many more good tunes in them, no, but no, we had no I idea. Know, yeah. they but didn't I'm just saying
0: that, you know, by accident I flipped it over and I went, whoa, yeah. these guys are deep, you know. But going back to the Corn movie Dog. Corndog yeah. Man, um, you know, I'm listening to it and tune after tune, I'm going, whoever did this is really.